Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Tommy Butts, Extension Weed Scientist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I have the privilege of being joined by Dr. Jared Harkey. Uh, Jared, you want to say hi to everybody out there in podcast land? Hello, everybody in podcast land. <laughs> Solid. I like it. Uh, I don't have any good jokes to start off the podcast this week. Normally, I'm picking on my co-host, but I don't have any good ones this week. So I guess I could pick on your glasses or something, but that's just kind of rude, I guess. So. Getting uh-huh. oldies, uh, <laughs> not for the faint of heart. Mm. That's right. Uh, so really, uh, this week we're going to talk about a handful of different rice topics. Mainly, you know, I've, I've, at least I've had a lot of calls of guys trying to get to flood already this week. And so looking at maybe some pre-flood weed control recommendations here, and then also row rice is getting into the heat of the battle. And so we're going to hit on some topics there as well. But the first thing I wanted to do is just kind of turn it over to you, Jared, just to give us kind of a, an overview of rice on the year. So, you know, acres, uh, um, you know, going to flood, how's it all looking, that kind of stuff. So if you want to just take it away from there. Yeah, we're we're fortunate to be greater than 90% planted at this point in the year right now. That number is probably more like 95%. There's always some some argument at this stage of the year of, of how much you know guys are going to continue to try to squeeze in out there in the field and behind dirt pans, stuff like that. Uh, but overall, you know, we did, at least in certain areas of the state, got, got a pretty good jump on the year to start this year and, and had a lot of rice go in the early part of April, really the first couple of weeks. We've talked about before where we're sitting on, you know, here at this point, mid-May, where we're really kind of staring back at, even though it's not that big of a window of planting that we've that we've had in some years where we're still looking at a lot left to go in, uh, even from now forward. But you really kind of had that, that early portion of the crop that was very into March, beginning of April, then kind of mid-April, kind of another little different window, and then the early part of May, and certainly the conditions they were going in the you we had good planting conditions but the weather surrounding the planting and really following was has just been very different for kind of those three different windows and so the behavior of the rice is kind of what has us really sideways and every call and conversation i get right now is no i it's yeah i need to know what stage the rice is but you got to tell me when it was planted so I know how it's actually behaving because you may have three-leaf rice out there that really got slowed down that was planted a long time ago, and you may have three-leaf rice that was planted 14 days ago from right now. So big-time differences running out there. I can say that the overall attitude this year, given the early progress, is head and shoulders above where we've been the past few seasons at this point in time. Uh, and and certainly generally warming up here lately has most of the rice looking dramatically better than what it did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were we were getting to be in pretty rough shape between get wet, then turn dry and crusting, and rice struggling, and some heat, some cold. All of say, some of the herbicide injury that was popping up too, just because it was cool and wet, and command was as active as ever, and and we got a lot of pictures of a lot of white rice. That that's right. Um, so yeah, just all those things too, definitely. Yeah. Hammer it with some of that injury from being too wet, and then have twenty five mile an hour winds for the next few days, and and dry the soil and desiccate the rice out really fast, and it exaggerating any problem we had up to that point. So, I mean, it's it's never dull. 
Uh, but but you know you know this year has been its own set of of experiences. We've seen it all before to some degree, but we've really piled a lot of different scenarios in a small window this year. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think we're still we're still seeing that stuff. It really hasn't. Uh, we haven't got completely out of it yet because we're kind of into the window now too, where we we went from that cool wet condition to so hot like that. You know, in the, in the, in the snap of a finger. And uh, so now I'm getting some pictures of what I like to call scientifically weird-looking rice. That's it. Right? Yeah. It's uh, it's not really herbicide injury. It's not anything else. It's just, you know, funky growth from all of a sudden deciding, man, we got to scream because we finally got temperatures. And it's trying to scream through some growth stages there. So uh, very scientific there and weird-looking rice. Well, this timing is, you know, this is supposed to be, uh, and hopefully I don't fail at it, but this is supposed to be an agronomist time to shine because nothing specifically stands out. So agronomist gets called in to go, well, what is it of all the options? You know, point us a direction. And then I get to say, well, that one actually is herbicide. Call Tom. <laughs> you know, you know that we get to move through those. So, uh, you know, I, I like I've always used the joke for years. I get called in when everybody, the only thing we know is it's not a monkey. So <laughs> what is it? What's wrong with it? And and there's a lot of that going on. Like you said, the, the weird looking rice that these the the accordion of DD50 units or heat units that we're having is is definitely creating some weird appearance of the rice growth and we were looking at some pictures earlier uh I know you can everyone out there can see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but to describe it uh you know some of the earlier leaves initial leaves were short uh you know normal to a little shorter than normal and then some of the new growth that gives a little weird appearance they're getting that they're a little bit more exaggerated long and and it so it's given this uneven kind of growth pattern to the rice plant and even creating some rolling of leaves when you look at it the leaf is still rolled because it's really long and it looks like it should be out but the collar's not all the way out for it to completely unfurl so just oddities you look at it otherwise it's healthy but it looks weird that's right 100 <laughs> percent I also like that you're going to take over some of these uh, calls that we don't know what they are. So I'm just going to start forwarding all my my calls to you. So you that's it. It's that time of year. Uh, well, awesome. So no, that was kind of the you know the initial thing we wanted to hit on. Moving into kind of our next topic is is talking about pre-flood recommendations because I know this week there's a big push to get a, a, at least a good chunk of our acres out there to flood, and I'm sure in the next couple of weeks there'll be a whole heap more that are going that direction. Uh, so there's a few random things we kind of wanted to hit on. Uh, you know, one of the first things that, that I wanted to talk about, and, and I know Dr. Norsworthy mentioned it a lot, like this winter at uh, a couple different meetings and things he talked at too, but, you know, a lot of our fields, it may take some time to get that flood across the field. And, you know, some fields we can do it really quick. Some fields it may take, you know, 10 days to get that flood across the field. And if we get in one of those situations where we know it's going to take some time to get that flood across the field or, you know, we haven't got poly pipe laid yet because it's all moving so quick or whatever else it is, you know, right now at this timing, really consider throwing out an extra round of residual herbicides. You know, whether it's another shot of Prowl, whether it's a Bolero, whether we got a second shot of Command, I mean, really anything for those grasses, just an extra shot out there to buy us some more time, right, and, and fill that void because otherwise... You know, we'll think we're going to flood and 10 days later that water's still not across it. And all of a sudden now we have a whole nother flush of stuff coming because we don't have that residual sitting there to help us. So yeah, that mid post residual can go a long way yes. in certain years. Yeah. To making the pre-flood cleanup and carrying us through way easier. That's right. So yeah. So just, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. If you know you got a problem child field 
that might be a good good consideration there. And along those lines too, I, you know, I don't know about you, Jerry, but I've had more and more calls the past couple of years on late season jailbreak escapes, particularly with coffee bean and joint vetch and things like that. Um, and you know, normally that's for a couple of reasons. One, whether it's maybe we just missed it because they had this that late emergence right before flood and they came out, or maybe it's one of those fields where it's got high spots and we can't maintain that consistent flood. You know, whatever the reason is, we get some of those late season escapes. You know, one of the things there that maybe could help us is is getting out a residual herbicide right before we're going to flood, like a two ounce shot of gambit. And we really need to be at two ounces if we're going to try and get residual out of that gambit. So, you know, so two ounces there. Or maybe if you really have that problem year in and year out, maybe like a pre-flood shot of league, you know, would be helpful to try and give us some residual going into that situation and help beat back some of those late season jailbreaks on those. So that might be something to consider moving forward this year too. Yeah, that I think that's that's a great approach in your I don't for the record, I don't know what an average year is. Somebody tell me when we get to one, but but speaking really generally, you know, an average year, I, I think it is that we're we're getting some some late emergence there as we're trying to get to flood or, you know, late germination anyway. The twenty two season I think was a little bit of the reverse. We couldn't keep a flood on everything we we were getting some more drive back out in the middle of fields and things as we were trying to maintain amid the drought and the heat and and i felt like i saw a lot more of those last year due due to that scenario and then i think to me what helped tell on it was was some of the density of some of those populations out there in the middle of some of those fields like that's not as scattered as I'm used to seeing when we get a little bit of a mist and shell break, like that's pretty thick. That have gotten pretty dry yeah. and turned a lot loose out there. Uh, again, not wasn't anything we could do about it in in the face of no rainfall help, but something being out there to help suppress and hold those back uh, is is going to be a benefit. And last year, along those lines, last year was a good reminder if you did have those of where you have these populations where you maybe need to focus that. Not that every field's got to have these applications going after coffee, bean, and joint veg, but you probably got reminded last year where your worst fields are to maybe look at that as an option. Yeah, I think that's a great point across the board, whether we're talking about coffee, bean, joint veg, barnyard grass, weedy rice, whatever it is, you know, really starting to try and treat our acres, our fields as kind of individual entities and not doing just broadcast same recommendation across the board. Because like you said, some fields are our problematic weedy rice fields, some of our problem child, coffee bean, hemp, you know, uh, joint veg fields, that kind of stuff. If you can start piecing that out, you can be a little bit more economical and, and proficient at choosing which herbicides go where. So I, I 100% agree with that. I think that's a great way to go. Um, one of the other things we wanted to hit on was, you know, grass control going into flood and what's the best recommendation. Uh, and honestly, with the weather that we have right now, so we aren't, you know, we aren't in those extreme temperatures right now. We're not breaking the over 95s and stuff like that. So really, it seems like all of our grassers are good options right now. The clinchers, rice star regiments of the world, all three should do a pretty good job. We still got moisture, you know, we're not wet, but we've got moisture there. It's not like we're bone dry. We're not super hot. Uh, you know, speaking of those two, you know, the provisias or high cards of the world should still be working well, uh, too. So from a weed control standpoint, all of those should be pretty decent options. I'd say whatever you've been successful with in the past, you, you should be able to roll with now. Now, the one caveat to that, and you were talking about a little bit before, Jerry, so I could kind of let you take it over, but it's kind of balancing out the potential for crop injury side of things with, yeah. with our conditions. Yeah, we're we're definitely, it's uh, the conditions right now are a little bit in a risk reward and, and we're 
trying to balance obviously grass number one uh for rice where we want to emphasize that control but at the same time i've got to emphasize a healthy crop and we're headed into not too cold not to you know get everybody too worked up but i mean if you're looking at the extended forecast we're suddenly going to jump back down to low 80s to upper 70s for highs and then even a night or two where we break back just into the 50s and so you know when i start looking at a rice star or something it you know, it's going to have to me have a little bit more potential to to flash and and maybe a little setback well i'm kind of getting a little tired of setbacks in in rice this year so i think that one has a little more potential whereas as clincher has less in that comparison but when we're talking activity and soil moisture you know i kind of need more soil moisture prefer it with clincher than with rice star and then of course kind of the argument with rice star on the the cooler weather and then the rice growth i'll kind of put the same thing at regiment a little bit with that als and there's always going to be a little potential for some root pruning things like that i'm normally not worried about it if you're to four leaf or so and and let it run but kind of right into the teeth of a cool down yeah the rice is going to have a harder time metabolizing i know we're talking about grass right now but if we're talking als chemistry in general um you know your your permits permit pluses i could even back up to mention gambit some of those you know we see it in the in kind of the the milder years or springs timings when we're trying to go to flood getting that we always you know not not pick on them but you know call it the permit flash you get that yellowing you just get that response and you have to kind of back off and and let the crop respond and kind of grow out of it and it'll take off and be fine uh but now we're back to the agronomics of pulling flood back off and you know creating more problems for ourselves so i just think we need to be a little little careful and mindful about what we choose at this point in time no and and along those lines too you know a lot of times we won't necessarily see you know if we get the really absolute worst conditions you can see like the permit permit plus is gambits flash but where i really see it happen a lot is where we're going to flood we've got grass and we've got to get take you know take care of the coffee bean yellow nutsedge whatever else we got out there and we mix say regiment and gambit now all of a sudden you got all a whole load of als chemistries going out and then that's just a ton for it to try and handle so yeah those you know those mixes can be really good but at the same time they can be really bad on the crop injury front so yeah like like jared said just where that weather's kind of going it's just another kind of thing we got to keep our eye on so we're all going to have lazy eyes because our eyes are going to be looking in 10 different directions but you know that's <laughs> right it's kind of what we got to do right now so uh, along those lines too and this doesn't help with the situation where the weather's going at but if you're in a true salvage situation right now too where you've just got you know grass galore out there on you which in all honesty, knock on wood, I have not had too many calls on that so far no, this year. No. It sounds like it's been pretty clean, but if you happen to be in that situation, our still number one recommendation to knock out grass is a Rice Star Regiment tank mix combo. That mix looks really, really good at killing some some big barnyard and dense barnyard grass. Now, again, it's expensive, and it's one of those situations where, you know, I always get asked, what's the best option? Well, there's a big difference between what the best option is and what a good option is. So it may be the best, but if we're in that situation, it's not a good option. That, but, that's right. Yeah. And and I still stress every year weighing the cost benefit of of those kinds of applications. Um, very often, where I'm standing out in the field, and it, I'm usually out there for something agronomic, but that you know it comes up because I'm there, and like you do know that 
I mean, it looks ugly, the barnyard that's out there, but you know that's not yield limiting, right? They're like, really? What? I'm like, you need like a couple of square foot, and that looks thick over there, but that's tillered barnyard grass. If you go pull it back, that's like one every 20 square feet. There's still some lodging potential from that. It's not like I have zero concerns, but if you start comparing some lodging and slowdown that's possible, not guaranteed, but possible versus a guaranteed like $50 hammer you're going to throw early that's probably not worth the actual control. Yeah, maybe we don't throw that hammer because um, it's not coming back. That That's out there and gone, and maybe we can get it out before there's lodging, and, and sometimes that barnyard stuff's early enough. I see it go down and senesce before it's ever going to cause any crop lodging, and you know we get away with it completely. Yeah, no, I agree there too. It's it, there's at some point there's got to be some you know economics kind of taken in, and the fact of you know I get we all got a vendetta against barnyard grass. We don't want it there, but at some point we got to let the vendetta lie and live to fight another day, kind of thing. I don't so. want to look at it either. I don't want to see it in your field. I want it all gone too. But you know I can't stand there and say yeah, spin that so you don't have to look at it. As a wheat scientist, maybe I just say it's job security. So leave it. Let her go. It'll be great. No, okay. <laughs> Well, I do want to throw one more comment on that. It's not like it has no impact, but I too often hear the comment, well, I don't want that back in my seed bank. And my response is, you think that's going to knock a dent in how much barnyard is out there in your seed bank? It's just not even going to move the needle. There's still so much under there. So letting just a tiny amount go is not not going to be the end of the world in that regard. That's right, especially if it's a little bit, and it's one of those things. Fight the battle next year again. Then you know, make, make we can just we we can all improve and do a better job the next year on some of that. So no, I've been learning. Yeah, uh, just outside of grass control, you know, it, now's the time where we're starting to get a lot of calls on flat sedge and some other random broadleaves too. You know, even just outside of the typical coffee bean and uh, and joint vetch, but you know, just so some options there on the flat sedge front. Bassigrain and propanil continues to be cont- continues to be one of the better options for our annual flat sedges, whether it's rice flat sedge or umbrella sedge or the white margin sedge, whatever. There, you know, just make sure we're getting good coverage is a big, big, big thing there. Um, you know, outside of that, post flood is really where I start attacking some of that stuff better because that's where you could put loyant or novixit on fertilizer, and it may be an option there where you don't have as much drift and you can actually get it out and. That looks really good, uh, getting dropped into a flood for flat sedge control, as well as rogue, you know, dropping into a flood. If you have the scenario, the field scenario where you can use that, rogue is really good on our flat sedges too. So just keep in mind that timing on rogue needs to be smaller ice where the majority of that spray hits the water. That's right. Yeah, get it to the water. So that's that's as important as it can be is getting it to the water. The the fertilizer impregnation is great. It the majority of it's going to find the water. Yeah, it hits the plant. It's going to bounce off and find the water. That that rogue spray, it it's got to be on on that smaller rice where we're still the majority is getting in the water, get activated. Yep, definitely good good uh, good reminder there. Um, and then on the broadleaves front, you know, I, I still tend to, to to fall back on the permit permit pluses gambits of the world because they're all great, or, you know, all around options for most of our broad broadleaves as well as yellow nutsedge, which is still rearing its ugly head because we've had a cool year. Um, so, you know, using those, you know, uh, to our advantage is really good, especially if we got bad yellow nutsedge out there. I tend to always just say, pick whichever one's the cheapest because all three will do the same job there. Now, if you start getting a whole lot of other odds and ends, broad leaves, that's where I tend to lean towards Gambit because to me, Gambit is the broader spectrum, you know, kind of 
stronger herbicide out of those three. Uh, but a bit again, if you're just going after yellow nuts hedge or just say going after coffee bean and that's it, pretty much any three of those can do the job for you. Um, and just as always, with another warning there, just make sure you watch out what's around you. You know, watch out for soybean, particularly with gambit. Gambit can be real hard on neighboring soybeans. So, you know, just be careful with what's around you. Watch those fields, you know, use some drift mitigation strategies, those kinds of things. But all three of those are great options to knock out most of the broadleaf junk we're dealing with. Well, while while we're kind of touching on that, I know, Tommy, we, we put a few comments in last week's uh, rice update newsletter, but, you know, it, it bears echoing again. It's It's fantastic that we've gotten as much of all of our crops planted at this point and very early. Uh, it's also very problematic because they're all up and you can't drive by a field right now. And we, we, we've historically had these windows to depend on. We get our rice planted, get our initial applications out, burn downs, whatever it may be. And by the time we're, we're getting to soybean planting, we can go ahead and be making our next round of applications on rice with little risk of, of impact on adjacent fields and crops. And that's not true now. They're all up and in immediate proximity. So uh, I wish we had a better answer other than to just be careful and think and plan ahead. Uh, you're probably going to have to spray in, in more than one load some of these fields, play in winds. Uh, that, that allow you to get all the area covered. So, you know, try to do yourself and your applicators a favor of getting things on the books a little ahead of time so they can start working with the winds. And it, it's time right now where if you'll talk with your applicator, I guarantee you they've got lists running right now. Need this wind to spray this field, need this wind for that field. And some and they start deviating this half, you know, this wind, this half, that wind. Uh, the sooner you get it on there, the greater odds, because it won't be long before we likely get into that predominant southwest wind and you're done if you need another wind if that's not farming in a nutshell right there where we had such a successful spring for planting we created another problem for us downstream so that's, that's it. farming in a nutshell right there but uh did you have anything else on pre-flood wrecks there or you know going into kind of later season there as far as the weed control front goes on that that side of things no i'll throw out just kind of an agronomic thought it's it's always hit or miss but you know it, it, every year i end up looking at at dps delayed phytotoxicity and and i'll cover you know going in some more depth in a in another later podcast but you know when we're trying to load up really heavy if you're saving a lot of bullets for right there all stacked together and you start putting together uh propanil and bolero and facet and all that a lot of them that can potentially cause dps and going heavy and immediately throwing the water to it it's usually the overlap areas that they really get out of control and you really see some of the injury but staying ahead of the game with our overlapping residuals where we're not depending on this massive slug right there of herbicides that can potentially cause these issues that's that's where i prefer to be uh boleros you know can be can be and we haven't seen that much of it directly from bolero it, it seemed like in recent years but bolero seems to can be the number one culprit facet kind of a number two and then you can scatter in a number of our others that have the potential from propanil the new path to all those others that have the right structure whether they're as prone to it or not but you just again kind of stack the deck that way so i would watch out on some of those really excessive combinations yeah or like you know i'm a big fan of rice bow but yeah rice yep. bow right loaded right before flood or something you got propanil and bolero that's that's a big component of a lot 
yeah. times too. Yeah, if you're coming with the water real fast right behind it and you go with the hot rate of it, yeah. And I I like using it, but that's you gotta weigh again, risk reward on, on rolling some of those. Well, awesome. So I that pretty much covered all my my topics on the pre flood wrecks. I did want to hit a little bit quick on row rice though too, because you know, from a few of the calls we're getting we're getting into that heat of the battle of row rice where we're, our pre's are basically played out. We're getting into overlapping residuals or we got stuff up and we're trying to spray posts and we're just, you know, we're nowhere near canopy yet though. So we're, we're in that, that, that deadly time frame for row rice. So I just want to hit on a couple things there. Uh, the first thing, and, and we say it over and over again, but we just, it bears repeating for row rice. We need to hammer the residuals, you know, use as many as we can overlap as many times as we can. That's the best way to get ahead of both grasses and try, try is a key word here. We'll talk about pigweeds in a second, but try and get ahead of our pigweeds too. So, you know, hammering residuals, making sure we're timely with them, with them, getting them out. That's the best way we can manage our row rice, not even have to rely on a post-emergence herbicide product there. And kind of the the secondary part to that is making sure we're managing the water appropriately, you know, and we've been lucky so far, We've but we've had some good rainfalls. We've still remained, you know, somewhat not wet, but we've got some moisture out there and that's good for residuals. So we've been successful there, but if it all of a sudden, you know, turns off and we, we, we have no rain all of a sudden the next month, making sure we're running water down those furrows to activate a lot of those residuals and making sure those weeds and stuff aren't stressed. If we have to spray a post-emergence product, it's going to be real critical. Yeah, in, in row rice, flush should not be a four-letter word like it is in levy rice, okay? <laughs> I mean, as, as, not that, again, we, we get busy, and again, you're like this where you can keep planting all kinds of stuff. It gets harder to justify doing it, but as a general rule, once you kind of know you've got a stand of rice in row rice, I want to see plans point toward getting that pipe rolled out because it, it's this reason you're, you're getting into, Tommy, is, okay, you missed some of those rains and we need that next one overlapped. All we got to do is fire the pipe up and, and have it, and then we're ready for the season and whatever comes our way and being able to overlap and, and keep things moving. Again, we've been fortunate so far to this point right now, but we saw it last year. We've seen it in other years. I mean, when when the weather decides to change its mind, suddenly we're behind all the pipe needs to go out at once all the everything and stuff starts breaking and now we're we're after the post options exclusively yeah and then that's when stuff gets limited in a hurry especially if when the when the water does shut off you know the rain shuts off normally that's when our temperatures spike too and so now we're behind an eight ball in two different places there we're, we're lacking moisture and we're we're too high on temp so the more we can get ahead and and preemptively strike on that front the better off we'll be um, now, I previously mentioned pigweed, kind of jumping into that because that's, you know, basically our number one fight in row rice anymore at this point outside of what we already talked about in barnyard grass. But with pigweeds, we just don't have a lot of great options anymore, which is a struggle. You know, uh, hopefully, you know, if, especially if we planted, you know, past couple weeks or so, hopefully we got some sharpen out in the pre-residual. If it was planted earlier than that, sharpen's not probably a big benefit to us at this point. No. But when we're getting to this point and we're trying to overlap residuals, the best thing I can tell you there is prowl. And that's not a guarantee, but it's the, it's, it's that best versus good conversation again, right? It's the best option we got. Doesn't always necessarily mean it's a good option because we do have a fair amount of resistance out there to the yellow herbicides. So, yeah, the, I mean, you, you, actually, you mentioned the sharpen, which, I mean, at, at any rate that's going to give residuals, got to go out at planting, you know, prior to emergence. I mean, once rice is up, prowl is about the only residual option like I said 
good, not great, but it's something yes. versus nothing. And as, as long as you hopefully don't have resistance, it can do a pretty good job then. Yeah. It's just the resistance thing that kills us. But I will say the other thing to mention with Prowl, too, is that we do have two shots at the 2.1 pint rate. So so you could do that twice of overlapping in our row rise. And hopefully, again, if you don't have resistance, that's, that's a pretty good slug of residuals to help hold back our pigweeds, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but now again, it, it's, there's, there's a fair amount of it out there. So just be aware if it doesn't work the first time, maybe don't go back with that second shot. Cause you're just throwing that money down the drain there too. It's kind of a risk reward balance oh, yeah. there. But, um, other than that, like Jared said, I mean, Prowl is our only, you know, residual option overlapping there. Um, so then we kind of get into, well, I should, I shouldn't say it's our completely only option cause we do kind of have break now, which I didn't even put this on our list to talk about, but we probably should mention it at yes. this point. Uh, so break uh, from CPRO did get uh, a, an actual supplemental label this year for rice, and uh, and it's approved now in the state of Arkansas and everything. Just for row rice. Just for row rice, and it's basically a post-emergence after three leaf, I think is what it was on the label, and you can use up to 16 ounces. Um, I will say we don't have a lot of data on it yet in rice. We, we tested it a couple times last year, so I, I'm not going full sale, you know, 100% recommending it, but it is actually an option out there. There is a label, those kinds of things that, you know, I wouldn't go full sale, but if you got an area you want to test it on, it might be an area where you could test on and overlap and get some some different pigweed residual material there. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, especially if you're on like a silt loam soil or something like that. If you're trying to do it on a clay soil, I'm not sure a pint's going to really give you anything as far as pigweed control goes, but just to know that is a, an option that has been approved just within the past month, basically a couple of weeks, whatever. Oh, yeah, we yeah something it. for us to get just to yeah. start getting a, a further look at this year. Yeah. yeah, but so then outside of those residuals, there really is nothing else. It goes to the post options, and, and on the post-emergence front, my first recommendation always, especially right now if we're talking like that early post, like that kind of that first post-emergence shot, is going with propanil. I mean, propanil is really good on small pigweed. It will burn them down. It'll kill them. But they got to be small, but it's really good on some of that small pigweed. So if I can get that out first and save my loyant shots for later, save those bullets in the chamber for later, that's really where I want to be. So so my first rec is propanil early. Then later, you know, in, in, in my third application or even my fourth application, that's where I start throwing loyant into our row rice acres where we can start, you know, trying to kill our pigweeds there. I tend to like to stay at it at an eight ounce rate uh, and catch pigweeds when they're smaller, you know, be timely with it. Uh, but that eight ounce rate is really good at, at killing small pigweeds too. And then it leaves the door open for maybe doing a sequential. If we need to do a fourth application there before we get full canopy, I still have that door open. So anything to add along those lines, Jared? No, I'm, I'm good on the weeds part. It's uh, yeah, I, I've gotten the question since we're on row rice and obviously trying to, do the best we can with the fewest applications there's there's a give and take between the timing of when we i know we're talking row rice we're not flooding but the the term when we're trying to put it to flood uh, or start our fertilizer and start our water and re- and really go and that there's a give and take remember at at four leaf rice we can go it's starting to tiller we can put out our first initial shot of nitrogen and and start to go and the sooner we do that, the sooner we're going to speed to canopy closure and and kind of get out of there. So there's an argument to be made for some whether they they want to go ahead and push that then or wait another week getting to five to six leaf, you know, uh, because the the give and take for me is 
we still want to string it out a little bit and get down one last good herbicide application cleanup shot, maybe with something with a little residual, more prowl, um, possibly, you know, even for grass, more command, whatever it may be. Um, and then that much quicker, you know, get it covered up with the canopy. So there, there's definitely a little game to play. And again, as we're trying to push the earliest fields flood right now, there's definitely some going ahead and going at four leaf, and I'm good with it. Uh, typically, when we go that early, more splits of nitrogen with a smaller amount initially is kind of my preferred way because you are just a little earlier on smaller ice. It's going to be a little less efficient. I know in some like clay soils, we recommend some kind of bigger amount, fewer splits, bigger amounts. I don't know that I want to go real heavy just another week, 10 days earlier on rice that small, but you can go ahead and start the spoon feed, you know, once a week and, and get it moving. No, awesome. I like it. Um, as far as, uh, you know, any other recommendations, rural rice, you know, a lot of our grass control boils down to exactly what we already talked about in flooded rice. It's just making sure that we, we have to carry it out a little farther because we don't have the flood to help us. But same principles apply there. Watch out for some of those other broadleaf junk weeds. And again, you know, things like loyan, gambit, you know, those are really good options on some of those, those junk weeds that we might get out there that we normally don't deal with in flooded rice, but now are popping up there. So just be aware of that as well. And then the final thing I always like to hit on too is just make sure we're being timely. You know, we've talked about it with a whole lot of things in flooded rice with managing water, everything else. The same goes down, you know, in row rice with any of our applications. Getting residuals out before stuff is up, being timely when weeds are small, that's going to make or break and be the difference on just how successful you are at the end of the year and, and how economical you can be with your herbicide packages is just by being timely kind of thing. So. And and adding on to the the struggles of this year in timeliness, trying to get a plane when they're trying to do rice, beans, corn, same time because everything's trucking along trying to get residuals. Think ahead. To be on time, we're going to have to think a little bit further ahead this spring until we start getting some of this rice put to flood and laid by. It starts kind of getting out of the neighborhood a little bit, but I'm I'm a little concerned about the upcoming push this go round because we're gonna have so much trying to go out and we just can't get to it all when we need to. That's right. Yeah. If you have problems, please call Jared Harkey. So okay. Uh, I, so that's another day. That's right. So that's all I had on the row rice front too. Did you have anything else you wanted no, in there, Jared? No, all right. That's where I don't want to cover. Well, perfect. Well, with that, uh, you know, just going through some of the things we normally end our podcast on. Uh, you know, make sure to check out our website for for any information you need from uh, from our weeds group or the rice group uh, there at uh, at the uada.edu website. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to grab an MP44 from your local county extension office, or you can download them from online, uh, you know, or you can get both. We've got QR codes on the books as well, so you can get one on your phone and have one in person. If you haven't yet, please sign up for our texting service. On the weeds front, you just need to text WEEDS to 501-300-8883. If you want to join the rice list, you just text RICE to that same phone number, so you can get on both of our, our text lists there. And then as always, you know, feel free to get a hold of us uh, anytime with questions, whether it's Jared or myself or anybody else, you know, make sure to reach out to us. We're happy to help, you know, wherever we can. Uh, Jared, is there anything else on the outreach front you wanted to mention, whether the DD50 program or anything else along those lines? Yeah, just that one. Uh, good time to be signing up for DD50. Uh, I'm still a strong proponent. Got, I don't know what we're up to now, 30-something management practices and timings to, to go with there. But I've always said if you're not going to use it for anything else, that that pre-flood nitrogen timing, staying on time, sign up fields and get them in there to give you guidance on that so we start off at the right timing. But yeah, dd50.uada.edu for that one. 
Awesome. Or all that stuff in general, as well as links to weeds, other stuff, Rice Advisor, R-I-C-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R.com. There's or .org, or we've got about all of them, and they'll jump you to the right spot. But then you can also jump from there to the MP44, to DD50, seating rate, in-rate stuff, everything. Good spelling. I'm not that good of a speller. I had to think about that for a little bit to make sure advisor was spelled right. So good job. Uh, so also just last minute too, uh, we always want to thank, you know, uh, the where we get some funding from to, to do both our research projects as well as our extension activities. So big thank you to our Rice Research and Promotion Board for the funding that received, as well as some USDA, you know, NIFA and ARS funds. You know, there's a lot of stuff from all those funding sources that provides us opportunities to do different things with that. So, And thanks to our county agents out there. Yes, definitely. Uh, everything they do, uh, touching base with us and sharing information, working with us, and certainly all our growers and consultants and other stakeholders. Hundred percent. They have they have a tough job to do, and and they are they are busting their butts out there right now. So I appreciate them as well. Um, so with that, uh, Jared, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for coming on. And uh, well, from there, we'll just sign off and say thanks for joining us for this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Have a rice day. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.